Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and more importantly, welcome back, Giants fans, to another episode of the Say Hey Podcast, the podcast that is home to all things Giants baseball. Folks, before we dive into today's show, I would like to take a moment to let you know that you can find the Say Hey Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, then don't be afraid to subscribe. And if you really like the show, then make sure to leave a review. But most importantly, make sure to spread the word. With that being said, let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Say Hey Podcast, episode 64 to be exact. I'm your host, James Donahue, as I am for every show, so hopefully that's not a deal breaker for you. Folks, we actually have quite a bit to talk about, including the departure of Kevin Gosman, the addition of Alex Cobb, and then I'm going to do my best to attempt to explain to you all what the heck a lockout is and why it's going on right now. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, make sure to stick around to the very end of the show. All right, let's go ahead and dive right into this. So there you have it, everybody. Kevin Gosman is no longer on the Giants. He signed a five-year deal with the Toronto Blue Jays and will be making $22 million every year. And for me, at least, that's what makes this signing so hard to swallow. $22 million a year is very reasonable considering that Max Scherzer is going to be making $43 million a year with the Mets. But... I'm guessing the main deterrent for the Giants front office was the number of years he was requesting at his current age, which was 30 years old. I saw some reports that the Giants were willing to re-sign Gosman to a three- or four-year, more like a short-term deal with a higher annual salary, but other reports were saying that Gosman really wanted that five-year deal. I would definitely be lying to you all if I said this didn't sting a little, but something I keep reminding myself is the reason why Kevin Gosman has become one of the best pitchers in all of baseball is because of the resources the Giants gave him. It's definitely sad to see him go, but it's also encouraging to look back at the Giants' track record. Kevin Gosman will not be the last reclamation project, and he will not be the last pitcher who benefits from how this organization is helping players reach their full potential. Which brings us to the newest addition to the team, 10-year veteran and 34-year-old starting pitcher Alex Cobb. Now, I understand your lack of enthusiasm. I do, I really do. But after doing a deep dive into his stats, I understand where the logic is. Now, let me explain. Last year on the Angels, Alex Cobb produced an 8-3 record and a 3.76 ERA. Definitely solid, but what sticks out to me even more is his 9.45 strikeouts per 9 innings, which was the highest of his career last year, and he ended the season with a 2.92 FIP, indicating that his ERA should have been even lower based on the quality of the pitches he was making. From the looks of it, Alex Cobb carries a very effective splitter in his pitching arsenal just like Gosman, except last year Cobb paired his splitter with a two-seam fastball that sat around 93 to 95 miles per hour. Along with those two pitches, Cobb also throws a knuckle curveball and a regular forcing fastball that sits around 94 miles per hour. Like I said, I understand the move to a certain degree. I'm not saying Alex Cobb will be the next Kevin Gosman, but I am saying that with the proper tools and resources that the Giants coaching staff can provide, I wouldn't be surprised if Cobb ends up being a solid contributor next season. 
Now, the NOS is obviously one of the best divisions in baseball, which means whoever comes into this division needs to know how tough it's going to be. So I went ahead and checked on how well Alex Cobb pitched against some of the best offenses in the American League just to see how he handles facing great teams. And to be honest, he did quite well. He faced the Chicago White Sox two times last year, and during the first outing, he pitched six innings, gave up three earned runs, and struck out seven. During the next outing against the White Sox, he pitched five innings of shutout baseball while striking out five. During his outing against the Tampa Bay Rays, Cobb pitched five more shutout innings while striking out eight. And lastly, against the Houston Astros, during one of his last outings of the year, Cobb went 5.2 innings, only gave up one run, and struck out four. Now, what are my expectations of Cobb? Well, I would honestly love for him to be able to pitch around 150 innings. And to give you all a better idea of what that is, Anthony Descofani pitched 167 last year, and Alex Wood pitched 138. So basically, what I'm saying is, I'm hoping that Alex Cobb can maintain a prominent role in the starting rotation for the majority of the season, and hopefully, hopefully, without experiencing many injuries due to his age. I'm excited to see how the coaching staff helps Alex Cobb enhance his game, because last season was very promising. And something else I'll say is, this isn't the move that fixes everything. Just because the Giants signed another right-hander who throws splitters does not mean the front office is content with the moves that they made so far. Most fans, including myself, expected the Giants front office to make a big splash in free agency by now, especially following the team's breakout 2021 campaign. However, we as fans have to remember that Farhan Zaidi is doing exactly what he has always done throughout his career as a front office executive. He makes the owners money. But something else he does as well is he assembles a productive and entertaining product on the field for fans to enjoy. I have a feeling that his goal is, and always will be, to continue to control the costs while simultaneously building a competitive team. But with all of that being said, I still fully expect big moves to come, and I also expect those moves to possibly come in a form of a trade, not just free agency. I mean, they have to. These moves have to come. Because setting a franchise record in wins at a relatively reasonable cost has definitely become a blessing, but it's also a curse for the Giants front office. They, along with the coaching staff, have set the bar so incredibly high for themselves, which is great for us as fans because that means somehow the Giants are going to have to figure out how to maintain that same level of production as last year. Yes, the Giants did not sign Kevin Gosman. They did not sign Max Scherzer. They did not sign Marcus Simeon, Robbie Ray, or Marcus Stroman. However, there is still plenty of talent left on the free agent market, whether we realize it as fans or not. Some free agents who I still love are Carlos Rodon and Colin McHugh. After experiencing almost an entire career plagued with injuries, Rodon produced not only the best season of his career, he was also one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. He made 24 starts for the White Sox and produced a 13-5 record, a 2.37 ERA, and struck out 12.55 batters per nine innings. This performance earned Carlos Rodon Cy Young considerations, and I honestly believe the Giants might have a chance to sign him at a reasonable price. The 2021 season was immaculate for Rodon, but as I said, this was the first time in his seven-year career he showcased such amazing numbers. In a perfect world, I could see a three-year deal worth around $18 to $22 million a year and a deal that also includes opt-outs for the team due to his injury history. As for Colin McHugh, 
I like him for many reasons, but one of the biggest reasons why he might be a top candidate is because of what Farhan has already stated his goals are for this offseason. Quote, Our goal is not filling five rotation spots. Our goal is making sure we have enough depth to make 162 starts. Colin McHugh is a starter-slash-reliever hybrid with plenty of experience doing both. Last year, McHugh served as an extremely effective reliever for the Tampa Bay Rays, producing 1.55 ERA, striking out 10 batters per 9 innings, and was in the top 99% of the league in surrendering hard contact. At the end of the day, I would love for the Giants to somehow acquire these two arms, but the only thing we can do right now is be patient and trust that Farhan Zaidi has the ability and the resources to continually produce a product on the field that is going to compete every year. And of course, if you haven't heard yet, we all have to be especially patient for something to happen because as of right now, the MLB is in the middle of a lockout. Now, what the hell is a lockout and why is it happening? Great question. And in order to explain what's happening to the best of my ability, I went ahead and did my own research. One of my friends sent an article to me written by ESPN staff writer Jesse Rogers titled, Everything You Need to Know About MLB's Lockout. Pretty straightforward. I definitely encourage you to read it yourself, but I went ahead and tried to highlight the important pieces here. So I'm going to go ahead and dissect certain things Rogers writes in this article in order to help all of us, including myself, process what's actually going on. So starting off with this first quote, Rogers says, During this past Wednesday at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the collective bargaining agreement between Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association expired. At 12.01 a.m. Thursday morning, the league informed the players that it had locked them out, beginning the game's first work stoppage in more than 25 years. Wow, that's pretty crazy. So right away, when you know, in this quote, when it says Major League Baseball... That's basically the owners of the teams and basically the commissioner and his board versus the players and their union. Wednesday night, both sides attempted to come together in order to reach some form of agreement, but unfortunately, that just wasn't the case, thus resulting in this current lockout slash work stoppage. So what are the main points of the negotiation? What are the players trying to negotiate between the owners and the front office? All right, so basically it comes down to economics. And Rogers goes on to explain, players feel with the emergence of analytics from the front offices that fewer and fewer second and third tier players are getting paid when they finally become free agents after six years of major league service time, which is often when a player turns 30 or very close to it. In general, players would like to be paid more at younger ages because that's when they are in their prime. The system also favors keeping players in the minor leagues for several weeks extra to slow down their major league service time. Okay, real quick, I'll stop right there. That's a lot to process. Basically, these players are like, look, we are best when we're at our youngest age, but we can't make that money when we're at our youngest age because of this stupid rule. We have to be in the league for at least six years in order for us to qualify for a major league contract. Which makes sense to me. I'm all for that. And obviously the owners are not for that. They love to manipulate players' service time. In certain situations, we've seen cases of where players are ready to come up to the major leagues, but teams are intentionally keeping them in the minors because they don't want their service time clock to start. Because as soon as that clock starts, owners only have a certain amount of time to where they can pay these elite players league minimum. Which is exactly what these guys make for the first six years of their career. League minimum. As soon as their six years is up, they can now qualify for a big league contract. So during these negotiations, players would love to somehow either limit the amount of years 
make it from six to four years, or somehow limit the amount of manipulating that's going on with these players' service time. That's one thing that's being discussed. Other things that are being discussed, along with the economics, are arbitration systems and how that is handled, and also players would also love for the teams to not intentionally tank. I don't know how you can reach an agreement. I don't know how you can regulate that, but it's what's being discussed. So what does the lockout mean for free agency and trades, and are the winter meetings canceled? Yes, the winter meetings are canceled because everything halts. Rodgers goes on to explain that team personnel aren't even allowed to speak to the media about players on their 40-man rosters during the lockout, and teams aren't supposed to talk to each other about other players also. So technically, no trades will be agreed upon, and no contracts will be agreed upon in free agency during this lockout. Additionally, young players looking for feedback from their coaches during winter bullpen or hitting sessions are on their own now as well, simply put. Team personnel are prohibited from any contact with players on their 40-man rosters. This is insane. Off-season drug testing will also stop, well, steroids, uh, and pick up as soon as the CBA is ratified. So, as I just explained, everything stops. Literally, the Giants can't even talk to free agents. They can't even talk to other teams about trades. No team can do any sort of transaction. Everything has come to a screeching halt because of this lockout. All right, well, how long is the lockout expected to last, and could games be lost next year? Okay, well, let's see what Roger says. He says, yes, games could be lost. That's always a possibility once a work stoppage occurs. But with three months until the regular season begins, it would be shocking if 2022 didn't go a full 162 games. There is a chance spring training doesn't start on time, using that period as a soft deadline to force some issues to get resolved. But Rogers goes on to say in his article that we are far from that happening. The sides already lost a lot of money during the pandemic, and anything short of a full season would be another devastating blow to the sport, both economically and from a public relations standpoint. Which absolutely makes sense, and that's the reason for me at least why I don't think this is going to last all the way till spring training and into the regular season of next year, because nobody wants to lose out on money. Everyone wants to make money. The players want to make money because, again, the players don't get paid during the offseason. They get paid when the season starts. So that's why the players don't want the season to be delayed for any certain amount of time. And, of course, the owners also lose out money if the season is not starting on time. But at the same time, I really don't think this is going to be taken care of within the next week. I think this is going to be dragged out. Drug out. I think dragged. I think this is going to be dragged out for at least a month, maybe a month and a half or two months. This is some serious stuff to negotiate. There's a lot of things that the players want to happen that there isn't really a solution yet. So there's going to be a lot of talks between the MLB and the player unions board. And in the meantime, like I said, we as fans just have to be patient that this is all going to get figured out. All right, everyone, that is going to be all for today's episode of the Say Hey Podcast. Again, Thank you so much for the love and support of the show. It truly is overwhelming. Again, everyone, you can find the Say Hey Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcast. And you can go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcast if you feel so inclined. Again, everyone, continue to be safe out there in this crazy world. Continue to be smart. But most importantly, go Giants.